listening to General Admission, where we bring you your front row ticket to the stories behind the sound. Welcome to episode 17 of the podcast. I'm here with Alice as usual. How you going, mate? Pretty good, actually. It's quite early. We don't usually record the podcast this early, but it's good to be out of bed and being productive, so I'm happy with that. Yeah, exactly. And we've got some very special guests on today, sitting here patiently. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, guys, it's Anne and Luke here from Caravana Sun. Nice. That sounds so very enthusiastic. <laughs> you guys sound so much more enthusiastic than us. We're like, hey, guys. Maybe there's a recording today. They're yeah. To the studio. Yeah. How are you, by the way? Because we did hear that you're about to head into the studio today. wrapped up um, a tour around the country in support of that single. I mean, how have people been receiving it? How's it been going down? For us, doing six shows really feel like a tour, but it was, um, really it was quite brief. It was only like this weekend. Uh, we went up to like Brood and West Oz and out uh, the East Coast. And, yeah, it was really good. I think it was the most well-received single we've put out to date because um, we only released the song like on the first show. Like the first show in Fremantle, the song came out and people already knew it. So it was kind of a bit weird in a way that everyone just really jumped on it. I think it's also because we haven't put out a song close to like a year and a half or any music. So it was kind of a bit of a long stick between drinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and do you find that this single, Beauty and the Pain, do you feel like it's an overall a good reflection of what's to come? With the full EP? Yes, definitely. Like, we're, we're just in the studio. We've been in the studio the last few days today. And it's Steve Schramm, um, not good, you know. And he's got such an unorthodox approach to producing. So, like, every single song is really different. Really different in its taste and style, but uh, quite unique. I think that's a big thing he pushes, pushes for. And I, I guess, in a way, we wanted to move a bit away from the uh, more into like I guess more contemporary um, groove like gorillas and impala that world mm-hmm. nice yeah that's something that you definitely yeah. notice Alice like with like yeah. listening like from Gorilla Club um, your latest album to this song like, there's mm. such a difference between the two yeah I feel like there's this kind of like pop I guess like the bands that you were just talking about like Tame Impala and gorillas like that sort of synthy pop kind of element that's not necessarily pop it's kind of like an alternative sort of sound yeah but um i guess yeah yeah i guess for us like i guess a lot of people pop's a dirty word but i think a lot of our favorite music is pop but it's just like good versions of pop you know like mm. i think that there's you know there's, there's real cheap or stuff that you hear on um you know commercial radio that Cheesy pop, but then there's like you know, like the last baby parlor it was so poppy mm. and different, but it's awesome. Yeah, and like I love that record, and 
same as gorillas or same as um you know who was this other band oh the growlers the growlers mm. or like they, they did their last record with um Marshall the strokes and a much more popular version of what they do but it's it's a more refined and contemporary version and i think as bands i think you've got to keep changing and um, pushing yourself into uncomfortable places rather than sticking with what has been done before within your own dynamic and what's been done before within the scene. Like it's good to just push out of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I guess like this, the, the idea that you were talking about how a lot of people consider pop to be like a dirty word. We've sort of had this discussion a lot on the on this like entire podcast because I think that, like you said, a lot of people dismiss pop and like the structures are easy and like very calculated but there's also something really like skillful behind pop and like the fact that pop music is popular like it's popular for a reason and it connects to people for a reason so I yeah I see like why not mix like pop elements with your music like I, I think, think it's... I think the thing is when you you put a pop edge on your music it's like you're dancing on a string they like so easy to break it and for it to not um, feel right. So yeah. You know, Steve Stram, I think, is a master of walking that line. Yeah. And it's, it's got the, the hooks and the catchiness and the, the colours that are interesting, but also the, um, I guess, the authenticity and, like, taste that comes with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's 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 always this um, just preconceived notion that pop is manufactured. Mm. But I think just like especially like on this podcast, I've discovered like all types of different music. Yeah, like there's a lot of intelligent pop out there. That's oh just, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's so much like I don't know. I mean, I was always like when I was a teenager, I was like anti-pop, <laughs> which I'm a bit. So I think most people are. Yeah. Better. I was like very anti-pop, which I'm like a bit embarrassed about now, but <laughs> I think that I guess as you just like, if you enjoy music and you love music, like eventually you'll come around to pop. I think that's my theory yeah, at least. Or, or you already like it, but you just don't realize it. Yeah, exactly. Like you just, you're already like, you're probably appreciating all this pop thing that you just kind of go, no, I like, I like punk music. No, I like, <laughs> if you grew up in the, in the naughty, you're like, I like a lot of bands now too well I guess like the bands that we grew up on like in our teenage years have changed their sound and I mean sometimes that's a bit controversial like Fall Out Boy were one of my favourite bands as a kid and now they've sort of definitely changed their sound and not a lot of people well I guess they've had mixed reviews I'm not going to say not a lot of people like it because I'm sure people do um yeah and I mean, like, Paramore, they completely changed their sound on their new album, and that's, like, a band that we grew up with, too. So I think that, like, if you... Even if you keep listening to the same people that you listened to, like, five, even ten years ago, I feel like their sound sort of changes. If they're a good artist, their sound will evolve and their sound will change, and I guess that kind of speaks to that greater idea of when you make music for so long, like, it's really important to just keep changing and developing and growing as an artist instead of making the same music, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I guess in a way, like, you're not even trying to change, that's the thing. You, mm. just, you just are. 
I don't think, I think it's almost the opposite where, and I mean, I know that I've probably been this guy in Carolina Sun where they're like worried about changing because you don't want to piss off your fans or you don't want to, um, you want to respect and uphold what you're known for. But really, people would, like, people just, I guess people have an idea of what you should be, but they also just want you to do what you like doing. Because if you're not mm-hmm. liking what you're doing, it comes across. Like, you're just doing the same old, same thing that you've done for the last five years. It just becomes a stale version of that magic that you might have discovered yeah. when you first went when you think. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting, though, that even though music is fundamentally about creative expression and not really worrying about, you know, anyone else and doing what you want to do, because it's tied to the industry, you know, so many, like, young mads especially just feel the pressure to to do things that, you know, they may not necessarily want to do, but they feel like their fans want from them. Mm. So, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic that you have music and then you've got the industry and they're kind of inseparable. So now bringing the conversation back to um, your new EP, do you feel like the songwriting's been flowing really well this time around, or are you feeling maybe you've got a bit of writer's block or that the songs aren't, you know, coming out as as well as you planned? No, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's the first one for sure. The, um, a lot of the writing process has been pretty added along the East Coast five nine years ago. We'd meet together to do a bit of writing and then we kind of go back to our homes, but now we're down in the studio, we're kind of sitting in this big demo file of all these different songs that we've all put together, about 16 or 18 different ideas by all different songs, and then we're kind of looking through them, and when there's songs that are brought up, it's kind of all of these songs and lyrics are being developed, the melodies are being developed, but there's a huge amount of forward momentum with these songs, which is super exciting for us, because I think as a band, we've done a lot of focus in the past on playing live, touring live sort of stuff. But I think it's great that you guys can really like bounce off each other and that you've already got, you know, quite a large collection of ideas. Although that can also be difficult too when you when you sometimes have too much and you kind of need to figure out, okay, what's going to go on the EP, especially since they're going to be like less songs on it than like a full album. Yeah, 100%. And I think that was from our new manager, Tom Larkin. He's, he's exactly in that mindset where he's like, I want you guys to absolutely, you know, scratching your eyes out that you can't put certain songs on the EP. You know? And I think it's, that's how it should be. We, we are really working hard at trying to get every single song as best we possibly can. So, you know, it's a purposeful thing that we speak out as a bunch of songs, you know, as opposed to, oh, we've got all these songs, let's put them on the body of work that we want to put out it. Talking about writing and stuff, we can maybe try and segue this into our first segment, which is a segment called What's on Our Playlist, which basically we each talk about a couple tracks that we've been listening to and why we like them and just kind of like a little recommendation um little section of our podcast and I guess like you know being um that you're writing at the moment and we're talking about inspirations um is there so typically is how we do it is like we all kind of go around and we all talk about one song each um and I guess do you want to maybe talk about a track that you've been really liking or that has been I guess inspiring you during the writing process or do- okay i'll <laughs> yeah. pick one and then i'll come back okay yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. one that has been recently just played a lot all of us like during our map so we have our sound engineer and had a pain to a and he loves like playing um pre-show post-show music at a gig like kind of a real thing like he goes to each effort 
haven't heard the track, but mm-hmm. I do like the track um, So Good at Being in Trouble. I think that's what it's oh, called. Yeah, cool. That's the one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, to be honest, I, I heard one of these songs about a year ago called, I don't know what it was, necessarily evil, and I liked it, but it didn't blow me away. Mm. Um, but Ken showed us this track, I don't know, two weeks ago, and it's been just getting played so much, and it's this real bloody, stinky, sexy kind of track. have another track or are you taking okay, turns I'm to back to oh, okay cool. sweet. <laughs> song or an album yeah. like, that's a hard thing to do but for them like for for songwriters like they don't think about it they don't think yeah. oh it's going to be a timeless song yeah. or whatever like it just comes out and then people resonate mm. with it and it ends up becoming like decades old and it's still yeah. around yeah mm-hmm. you can't i guess yeah yeah 100 yeah, 100 it's like these people but i mean artists like Joni mitchell i think that's the phrase everyone else is that you know she's she's aged incredible the whole life of Some Joni Mitchell. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I was going to talk about an old song, but <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm football today. 
No, no, that's okay. <laughs> We've like spoken about like dire straits and like heaps of old stuff on this podcast. Yeah, we, we love our classics. <laughs> we love it. Um, I guess this is maybe <clears throat> maybe talking about. I don't. I don't know if I want to say classic albums, but I think everybody has that those albums that kind of stick with them throughout their kind of life. This album is not that old, but it's... Anyway, um, John Mayer released a new song called New Light. I didn't think I would like it because I didn't really listen to John Mayer, um, but I really liked his album Continuum, you know, with, like, all the popular songs. I feel like that's one of my favourite albums ever, which is strangely enough because I never really listened to any of his other songs. But he released a new song called New Light. like light-hearted sort of like it is kind of a pop song yeah i don't know he released a music video for it too which i think was quite funny i don't know if you've seen it um but he like posted on twitter he was just like my label couldn't agree on a budget for this song so i just went to one of those places that make like bar mitzvah videos um and it's just like him dancing with a green screen and like random events behind him (laughs) that Um, sounds kind of funny which is like kind of yeah i think it's really funny like i I love when artists don't take themselves seriously and, like, the music kind of speaks for itself because it's a good song, but then he's sort of done this, like, silly video to go along with it. Um, And even when he uploaded it on YouTube, it's, like, John Mayer, New Light, and then in brackets it says premium content. (laughs) And I'm just, I don't know, I just think it's funny. Like, if it wasn't for the music video, I don't think I would have, like, taken such an appreciation to the song. But I really like, I think the song just in my eyes, was made way better with a music video. I just think it's really funny. Like, um, yeah. And it's so, it's so crazy when you think about those two things together, you know, when something is released and then something is kind of contrasted on that release or mm. something is there to, like, you know, hold its hand in a way. Like, and I think that's so true. I've had so many experiences where I'm like, man, I really like this song. And then someone makes a decision like that. It's like, oh, shit, I love this song. That, yeah. You know, like, it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's the whole medium of what we're doing, visual and art, all the on kind of thing. It's enough to kind of solidify and talk about on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. for sure. And like, I just, I don't know. I love watching music videos that seem like very silly, but they're so creatively done that like. I mean, half of Foo Fighters music videos are all, like, piss takes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, it works. Like, it's just funny. Like, I don't know. That's probably, just... Yeah, like, from what we know of the guys, like, it, it fits with, yeah. with, what, with them characteristically. So. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think yeah. it's cool. I think, I think there's something in that, you know, what you're saying. I think there's something in that sense of being able to talk about, say, something very serious or, or something quite, you know, sad, but being able to contrast it with humour almost instantly you know mm-hmm. like it's one of the artists that comes to mind is the guy who's going handcuffed frame he i've seen him a couple of times at the opera house and he does the exact same thing he can really win just like one of the most poignant sad moments but then instantly comes a few words just a rough laughter among people and i think when artists are doing that they're like eliciting these you know emotional roller coasters mm-hmm. for the audience to really think they're teaching to and i and, and i think there's something to be said within yeah i guess it's maybe like i guess maybe for in my opinion at least like maybe it's like relatable in a way i guess like the music industry seems 
so serious at times and you know I think that if you're kind of interested in music you sort of know there's like all these things happening behind the scenes and you know like artists get media trained and like lots of things like that like I think there's a lot of very serious almost like controlling aspects of the music industry that we might interpret and then maybe like a funny video or like just an odd kind of light-hearted music video kind of maybe counter like counter reacts that in a way mm. um yeah 100%. and i guess and it's like the, it's, it's like when yeah it, it, it's almost like knowing that there's a human behind like yeah. you know what i mean like feeling that actual person yeah, yeah yeah i totally agree yeah definitely and you especially see that with like self-produced like music videos, oh, yeah, like yeah, where yeah. you know like the artists have got complete control over what they're doing yeah. and it might be a more lo-fi kind of project mm. but like you end up really connecting with it cool well jen do you have a song <laughs> looks good yeah, so actually yeah like and when you mentioned Joni mitchell like like i thought this is like a perfect segue because um i've got an artist called erin ray she's like a nashville singer songwriter and i'm not sure if you've heard of her. oh have you um listened to erin no no i love i just love nashville singer songwriter like, <laughs> like my other half but yeah i yeah, Erin Wright. So, um, so the song that I'm going to talk about. So she just released um, an album called Putting on Airs. I think it got released like on Friday. Um, and this song is called The Real Thing. It's funny like the way we are people always want to catch the eye of a star just to get a nod and a smile. And what I love about it is that it's just, it's so incredibly raw and poetic, but she kind of... In terms of like the lyrics, she kind of swings from from being like, you know, looking out on the world and, and, and talking about, you know, how humans can be so, you know, selfish and, and often very egotistical to like just pictures of like this person that she's talking about, maybe like a sister or a mother. Um, and just, 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 just got these vivid descriptions of that person. Um, it's just, it's so cool that the way it moves between, you know, those two kind of perspectives mm. like it's such a beautiful raw song and then it's just got acoustic guitar to back it's really simple mm. but yeah it's it's awesome check it out nice. so should we go around the circle again <laughs> back to luke very, very quickly <laughs> okay um i think i'll go something to choose from while you were talking just then i actually started to put on four eggs fan and i started Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like one of those sort of songs where it comes in with this really mad. 
three to four hours at a time without talking. And we just wanted to have the Zoom recorder in the room and set it up there and basically try and capture some magic moments where we haven't thought about what we wanted to do. It's kind of like the in-between conversations, put it that way. And we were jamming and playing a whole bunch of stuff. And then at the end of the session, we go, oh, I think there's something in that. All right, let's do something else. We go back and we chop up all those little recordings and send them to each other. And then we had them to have a Anyway, we had one session about four or five sessions in, and we were in Cornell, and not far from our family home, in and Cornell. And we were out in the studio, and same sort of thing, about an hour and a half in, something happened within the four of us, and we were like, wow, something, you know, it's kind of like you. Uh, it's hard to explain when you're onto something like that as a song idea, or it's, yeah, you're like you're like chasing it down a rabbit hole. You know, you don't want it. To, you don't want the flame to go out. You don't want to lose it. But at the same time, maybe you don't want to tame it because then it becomes boring. So we're like, okay, this is cool. Then we recorded it, and then we all went away. And then basically two weeks later, we had to meet up back down in um, down in Melbourne to do the demos. And I kind of opened up a bunch of stuff up in my home in Byron and was like, oh, man, that's right, we had this thing going. So I sat down with an accused of um, my kind of process and a lot of the time heading into my bathroom and slowing everything down half the speed just because that's, you know, we talk about Journey Mitchell, all that stuff, but I kind of like songs that lyric and flow uh, ambient world to kind of generate ideas. And then I kind of had some lyric ideas that I thought might work over the top. We headed down into, to, um, into uh, Melbourne and as we came to the studio, we I kind of pulled up the, the, the demo and we're like, hey guys, what do you think I can do? I was like, man, I, I think this can work. This was that jam that we were working on and it sounded great. And so we basically got into the studio and Luke started playing a bunch of different guitar lines that really threw the song into a different world. And then from that process, we kind of got all those demos to Melbourne sessions and then studio and we sent them all around the world into our agency. Netherlands, we send them to the UK, we send them to Germany, basically to see, hey, who is resonating with any of these songs that we've done. And Beauty and the Pain consistently came back as the number one track for us to be working on. So we eventually then went into a proper studio with Steve Schramm for about two days recording the single. And yeah, I guess that was, that was kind of the process for coming into position. I guess also something to add to that process, that when we selected Beauty and the Pain, we weren't completely convinced on the thing that it was a single, like we really liked it, but it was like there was so much feedback from everyone saying, you know, let's record, um, like that should be a single. But we went into the studio with Steve Schramm and really resonated with the song, we didn't think it was a single. So the first three hours of our session, it's just him sitting there listening to it, just shaking his head going, it's not a single, it doesn't sound like a single. Like, it just keeps saying that. And then I was, I don't know if anyone Work with Steve, it's like you've got a little different way of working hard to guess in a way understand. Um, and I remember just thinking, oh, let's just do a different song. But then then I, sh- I think I showed him one song, my like reference song, and he's just like, oh, that's all we need to do. And then it all just came sort of, you know, full, full to just going hard. Uh, but then the funny thing was that in those two days, I think we recorded the song in like four hours, the whole thing. And most of the time it was just kids are getting us to replay because we did it did record the song live except the vocals it was like more swagger like more it pushing like um us to get more of a cohesive sound while playing live I don't know it was just a real interesting process and then and then even after we finished like the mix came back and it was so different to what we expected and I guess in a way for me personally I didn't 
fuck it. I actually was like, I don't like this. I don't think we should use it. And then for some reason, every time I kept showing other people, um, and every time I'd hear it, I'd grow on more and more. And then I thought, well, maybe I've just like got a, a preconceived idea of what we should sound like. I'm not just to it as it is. And I guess, yeah, it just evolved and then eventually got the right mix and released it. <laughs> that was pretty much the process. Nice. Yeah, sweet. I guess, like, it's interesting that you say how you were listening, you were showing the song to other people um, and they all, like, really liked it, but you were sort of a bit still undecided. Um, do you always, like, show when you when you get, like, when you make a new track, do you show it to, like... Not always. Not always? Not always. It depends. It depends. Like, I think you've got to be really careful when you're creating music who you show and and what mindset you're in. Like, when I show them, it's like one of my closest friends and I'm, they're not real... Um, let's say they're super... They're not music lovers. They like music, but I showed them that song and I showed them other songs we recorded just to get a bit of a comparison. Was, and I just literally just remember sitting there just watching how they reacted. Not what they said to me, just their body movement and just mm-hmm. their overall um, vibe for listening to it. And I just... There was something I saw when, when they were listening to it that made me go, this is good you know like yeah um it's a hard one eh because you taste it you know when you're in the band it's like it's like that thing is when you're in something you can't see you don't have the perspective yeah it's hard to see you kind of yeah it's where you've come from and like thoughts and all that that's hearing what's actually happening um but yeah feedback feedback is definitely important and i think it's something that i don't think a lot of bands Utilize like showing your team, like your management team, agents, or whatever it is. Like, you, you need to like get feedback because it can sometimes save you a lot of hassle if it's not good. Like, you might write something if everyone tells you, nah, I'm not into it, then you got to be like, well, the odds are like there's 10 people when nine don't like it. Well, then, shit, shit, you know. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I think it does play overall, but at the same time, you know, there's been occasions. Where one person might say something and it can really interfere in something that could have been quite good. So you've got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And especially, like like you said, because your friends, like, they like music, but they're not quintessentially, like, music lovers. And, and sometimes that might may not be that much of a help in, in some cases. So, yeah, I yeah. guess, like, yeah, you're right. Like, you've got to be kind of selective with, you know, what you show people and, and who you show it to. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So we're going to our final segment of the show, which is our non-music segment. So basically, this is where we've been talking about music for like half an hour, 40 minutes, and now we're going to talk about everything except music. Which is often like really hard to do and we end up just coming back yeah. to it anyway. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say that. I'm already seeing what I'm going to talk about back to music. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I know that you guys are all avid surfers. So, um, <laughs> so when did that kind of start for you guys? Um, I think all of us were, I'd say all of the age of being around 14 age, 13 or 14 years old. And I think it's probably the one thing that's got our hooks into it that hasn't changed over the years for all of us. So, uh, yeah, it played a huge role. Ken, Ken joined the band nearly four years ago. He's a trumpet player. And he um, he would kind of find a bit more city dweller where he's um, you know, a lot of show, a lot of gigs. 
think he used to do a lot of bushwalk and stuff. I think once joined the band, it then became a lot more about, you know, how can we get in the ocean or sound check, basically. So, yeah, it, yeah it's, been a, it's been a great process and it's, it's, it's played a huge role in all of our lives, for sure. Nice. Is there anything else, I guess, aside from surfing that you guys do, um, aside from music as well? Like, do you have any interest? Do you like to cook? Do you like photography? Like, what's what's your thing? (laughs) Not music. Um, (laughs) Definitely not music. No. Um, I mean, it's kind of ocean related, but we do, we're we're really fortunate. We get to travel over to Europe. This will be our seventh tour over there in a couple of weeks. And one of the stops that we have over there is in the Mediterranean little island called Malta. And we, um, we, since going there, we've been doing a whole bunch of diving around the island. Like they've got so many beautiful underwater caves. So we're basically just been going with our snorkel and goggles and sailing the rocks around some spots where the water's like 40 meters clear visibility and just spending the whole day between gigs diving, you know? So I think other than surfing, I mean, it's a little bit ocean related, but that's yeah, no. that all of us have been doing whenever we're opportunity to tour such a beautiful place like the Mediterranean and Malta. Yeah. yeah. So when you guys tour, um, I guess, you know, being maybe touring in Europe, um, because it is quite intensive, um, aside from, I guess, like diving, is there anything else that you guys like to do in between shows on tour to, like, keep you sane? <laughs> I keep it sane. I mean, I think exercise plays a huge role. I think we all kind of have to have to like take moments just to go and take space yeah. from mm. from the scene of touring. You know, like it's not even from one another because I don't think it's like that. It's more in the sense of you have to just break the norm of being in a van and mm. you know looking at the highway. So I think exercise and space is a huge element to do with the music. But I mean, aside from touring, we don't as much as we get out for days. We always make the make an effort to like have a day off here and there. You never really switch off from having to be, you know, traveling to another gig or go to another show, whether that's finishing at 3 a.m. and having to get up at 6 and then drive 11 hours. Like, it's, you're always kind of on the go. So I think the only thing we really have on the side of that is, like, you know, an exercise and Netflix, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, what are you watching on Netflix at the moment? I think Luke, Luke can probably better answer that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I just been watching the uh, show called money heist last couple nights. Oh yeah, that's one about the bank the bank heist, isn't it? The big bank heist. Is it? No, that's a different one. That's okay. Oh, that? uh, I thought bank, yeah, yeah, the bank so it's not, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. A, a bank robbery. It's like a Spanish one. It's pretty cool. Oh, nice. um, cool. I like Narcos a lot, I reckon that's yeah. very violent though. Narcos is good. I um not not good before sleep. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you stay up one night. Really bad dreams. I just that like I'm getting yeah. <laughs> it is pretty intensive especially like the newest season or like the third season you'd think yeah. you think that like the first season is bad but then like the third season comes yeah, like, and they're like it's crazy yeah yeah no I like it I, I mean the whole thing just that like it's so much better than TV I yeah. like anyone that doesn't watch like doesn't have it I'm like seriously not like it's just so much better than TV you waste way you waste there's no time wasting yeah. You know, you generally, I don't really watch watch it that much, but it's like it's 20, you know, 20 minutes before I go to sleep, it's just how it's going to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you need that when you're on the road because you get so wide and, um, and there's so many other things going on. It's kind of nice just to lie down and watch something for 10 minutes and fall asleep. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm having a bit of a problem though with Netflix. Yeah, but I do like cooking. Like thinking yeah. about other yeah. interests. I love cooking. Oh, cool. You like cooking? I love it. How? I where did? I wanted to be a chef until like, until I worked in the kitchen when I was like 14. Oh, wow. Kitchen <laughs> and I think music's actually easier than cooking. <laughs> That's true. Well, what? Um, who made you um want to like become a chef? Like. Oh, I don't know. I just think I love eating. <laughs> <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I'm always super creative and. In, um, in the kitchen I just always like you know you'd open the fridge and there's always always not a lot of good stuff for some reason in my house but it would be amazing the mum would go to the shop and then would go one day um, or there'd be nothing and like there'd be like all these weird things like olives and pasta but no like no sauce so then you'd like make like an olive oil kind of pasta just yeah. things like that like it kind of I think it all fits like that yeah I guess it does yeah. kind of come down to creativity on how you can mix things together to make something I think I just find it super relaxing like, even when we get back to a generally like the night from home it's like you know I do what I'm doing today I get to about 5 o'clock or I clock off from whatever it is and you know have a glass of wine cook and just put on so therapeutic to do that yeah, yeah that's, that's something that I've definitely found as well like having like like more recently got into cooking is like especially like when you have the kitchen to yourself yeah. and like you can just yeah. blast whatever music you want yeah have a glass yeah. of red or whatever you like to drink mm-hmm. and just go to like especially like if you're in the mood for comfort food and there's a recipe that you know how to do really well and then just yeah. go for that and just sit down and eat it it's yeah. just it's, it's one of the best feelings yeah. Well, I guess for a little, just like a little summary for our listeners, um, where can they find you? What's next for you? And yeah, just a little, little concluding yeah. summary. Well, I guess um, if anyone's traveling over here, this year we'll be there in July, August, touring through a bunch of European and uh, in the UK as well, playing a bunch of festivals and a few club shows, and then we're back over here in September, October. We're doing I guess a national tour. Um, it's an EP launch tour, so I have a brand new EP. I think a new song's coming out in July, which is crazy. It's going to be like a month away. Never even chosen which one it is or finished it. So there's lots of new music coming out from us. If you want to find it, um, you know, all the usual social media out there, it's like crazy, Instagram, all that, and uh, on Spotify. So yeah. Awesome. All good, Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, taking the time to have a chat to us. Yeah, it was great having you guys. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Though. No worries. Yeah. It. We'll have fun at the studio today. Yeah, no, I'm feeling you are attending Buckaloo and we're pumped. You're listening to General Admission, where we bring you your front row ticket to the stories behind the sound.